0: Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to India Game Changer. Today, we are joined by Rahul Jain, a co-founder of AllCloud. Rahul, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for doing this, by the way.
1: Thank you, and I'm fantastic. I'm very happy that I'm speaking to you today.
0: Thank you for calling me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And look, I said this to you before we started recording. Nothing makes me happier than a guy with a killer microphone. You just sound great. Thank you. I feel like i need to upgrade my equipment just to keep up with you anyway it's great to have you here before we get to the main part of our conversation can you please give our listeners a little bit of your background for some context
1: i'm an mba grad and i come from a family business background so before starting all cloud i was uh, managing my family business and then uh, all cloud happened after doing my mba uh, I'm a commerce student, so uh, that's what I understand much better than anything else. I think a business uh, and how things flow in business. Uh, and when this opportunity came by, I was I was kind of ready in terms of taking on. And then one thing fell into another. And here we are today. Our cloud is an eight-year-old company. We're doing good.
0: So tell me a little bit more about the family business. I'm always interested about somebody who goes into the family business and then says to mom and dad and the brothers and sisters, I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. So what kind of business was your family in? Was it finance related or was it manufacturing related? What was it what was it involved in? Uh,
1: it was finance related. It was lending, uh, lending to automobiles. Okay. And uh, that's been uh, the family business for a long, long time. And uh, when I started, I started scaling up the business uh, to different geographies uh, within uh, the city I am. So on the face of the city, we started putting up our shops. And well, some one day I felt that, okay, now this is not happening because I need to be in four different places uh, every week right. to manage it. Right. And I can't keep an eye because it's money. It is cash. it uh, You know, you need to have a great uh, oversight on each transaction, right? Right. So then well, technology is needed. Started building something. Then, when I met my co founders who were doing the same kind of same stuff, uh, they actually approached me as a client. And then, well, I didn't buy the software, but I kind of buy in, I kind of purchased the idea uh, in terms of getting on board with them. And then we slowly started building in. I was part time working at the family business and part time working at All Cloud. But then, Things started becoming more exciting here. Uh, we started getting clients in. The product became much better. Then, then I moved full time. So it was like two days, three days, three and a half days, four days, five days. Now it's seven days, eight days a week.
0: <laughs> eight days a week. I like this. I want to find something before I make a before I make a comment on this because there was a guy I think in the nineteen seventies <laughs> or nineteen eighties, and I'm just trying to remember, like exactly who it was. So just give me a second as so I get this guy's name. Right? I think it was Victor Kamen, but I want to be sure about this. But he said something very similar to you. He was like, he wasn't approached by the founders, but he said, I used the product and I like the company so much, I bought it. I can't remember the guy's name, but I think it was for Gillette Razors. He said, I like the company, I like the product so much, I okay. went out and I bought the company. And it kind of sounds like the same thing. So your family's been in the lending business for a while. You were trying to build your own technology because you're like, Dad, I cannot be in 16 places at one time. It's just not going to work, Right. So we need to have some tech here. Yeah. And they found you because they were thinking, well, we this is a gigantic potential opportunity for us. And you were like, yeah, actually, it's so big. I'm not going to buy it, but I'm going to join it and build it. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah that's exactly what happened. So uh, I think when we, when we started uh, talking about it, we felt that, yeah, this is a great team because I, well, I don't understand tech. I can't write a line of code myself but uh, my co-founders can and uh, what I can bring to the table is probably the understanding of business and well they also have a great understanding of how business works because all of us are from family businesses Right. Um, but then they did engineering and I did commerce uh, so kind of uh, balances out the team so one builds one manages and one sells uh that's what uh, we started out as. And I think that were the primary functions we thought a business uh, should be able to you know, run by itself. But then, yeah, it's just the layer. And as you go uh, one step at a time, you understand that there are a lot of things. So then uh, it was a learning curve for all three of us.
0: Yeah. This sounds like a classic story of dogfooding, right? Like, you know, you need this product. You know what the product is supposed to do. You know how the lending business works. What was it like coming out of the family business, jumping into a brand new business and then trying to figure out in the context of the competitive landscape in India, right, which is a massive country, very competitive to build something from scratch. What did you learn about being a great entrepreneur that says, we're going to explode out of this environment and just get so big that we're going to get discovered by everybody? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so... I think it was um, the feeling that if I was having a problem with technology and right. technology not, you know, being able to help me scale, uh, or we uh, then thought that it it is the problem that everybody has. Yeah. And nobody wants to work on technology. Everybody wants to work on business. Fair enough. Right? They want to spend more time growing, scaling, optimizing, and increasing revenue. Yeah. And technology as a function should be an enabler that's what uh, we firmly believe uh, that technology is for scale technology is for enabling growth uh, and then uh, we thought that this is something that could be replicatable and that's where we started it out as a SaaS. so well i did not understand what SaaS was at all when we started <laughs> I, I was i was completely away from technology and thankfully um you know my team my co-founders were very clear that this technology can be scaled if it's built on a SaaS, and they've they did it great stuff in their uh, earlier career. So, um, you know, Ankit was from Infosys, Ashish from uh, Deloitte, and he'd seen all of this stuff happening. Right. Right. Uh, how what's disaster recovery? What's cloud data management? What security is? How a process or a product needs to be delivered. Uh, so that all. Put together, I think uh, we thought that if it's put on a SaaS model where people pay as they grow, this is an immense potential, immense opportunity uh, that we can scale with so many people. And as we grew, we understood that, okay, the business of money is same, uh, whether it's in Hyderabad or across India or now across the world. Right. I think it's the same. It's it's a debit and a credit. Debits and credit don't change, right? It's It's across the world.
0: Exactly. I want to understand this other aspect in a little bit more detail. So if you didn't understand technology, I have to guess that your family was one step further away as well than you are. So when you go to them and say, we need to technologize this business, but we need to do it in a way that's useful, not just for us, but for everybody else. I'm curious what those conversations were like, you know, around the proverbial dinner table.
1: Oh, initially, they were a little difficult. Uh, But then I think uh, if as you see an opportunity, you things, you see things uh, falling in place. And then you get a little acceptance. And then we started doing this when we hired more people, we, you know, had more customers, it became exciting for everybody.
0: You had said to me, you couldn't be in four places. I mean, I exaggerated and said 17 or 16, it doesn't really matter. But you were building out locations right, in individual places to go there. I presume that the people to whom you were lending were coming into your locations almost as if they were like a branch. It's yeah, my we feeling. Had- right, yeah, it's my feeling, right, that these branches kind of never go away because people want to interact with people. The tech gives you the scale, but how do you combine the physical branches with the technology that you're using to create something that actually can scale?
1: What you need to do is you need to make this physical transaction digital for scale. Okay. You- entirely remove the uh, touch and feel, or I would say the conversation out of a business. But how do you take this conversation to a digital medium yeah. where you can then extract data analysis and uh, then build on it? So even today, what we're doing at All Cloud is you know, working with our customers on the digital approach as we champion. Uh, we tell, when we talk to them and say, yeah, digital is good. Digital is good for that set of populations already onboarded in, you know, they ride uh, into the idea uh, that, you know, they are using a mobile phone, they want to transact everything on the digital platform. But there's an immense and large population that still is not entirely on the mobile, you know, they, they still need uh, assistance in terms of getting onboarded. And their businesses are not all digital. So they are credit invisible in a certain way Their transactions cannot be extracted from a data source, but have to be understood um, that's where the physical to digital, uh, you know, the pipe has to be created. And so that's what we've done.
0: How do you make that transition, though? Not for you, but for those businesses that you say that aren't part of the digital infrastructure yet, right? Because this is the real key point. You go into a first-tier city, Mumbai, Delhi, Kolkata, all these cities that people have heard of. But once you move into second-tier, third-tier cities where everything is mobile first, and then sometimes not even mobile at all. How do you go out to those other cities and other towns and convince other people, even on the lending side, that they need this technology, and then to empower the people that need to get the lending done to use this technology, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, so what we uh, used to do earlier is to tell people that, okay, uh, wouldn't it be great that if you would want to manage your business right from where you're sitting, or even if you're on a holiday, uh, you can just log into the application and see how, you know, your guys are doing work at the office. Right. And that was something that was really, really appreciated. Because, uh, you know, you just imagine that I don't need, every day I'm going to this location managing my business. I I can't dream of, uh, you know, not being there for like 10 days at a stretch. Even if I'm there, I'm calling up every two hours and checking in. But now with our application, you could go anywhere. You could go anywhere and you would still have your business on your fingertips.
0: And this is B2B, so right? So is it B2B or B2C or both?
1: No, it's B2B, pure B2B. We are a B2B enterprise technology company.
0: Yeah. So but how, how does this work though, right? So you, you try it out, I'm guessing, right, with your family business, which is lending to automobiles, but there's also, and there are multiple types of automobiles, two wheels, three wheels, four wheels, right? Trucks, buses, all this kind of stuff. But then there are homes, unsecured loans, all these other things to which you can, you can potentially sell this SaaS product how do you branch out into those other things, into places where necessarily you didn't have the experience, but you know that there's lending taking place?
1: So we started out with automobile finance as a product, but then uh, as we met a lot of people, as we met more organized players. So initially we were working with, uh, you know, small uh, lenders, they were kind of unorganized, but then we were lucky enough to land in customers who were on the not organized side. And it was not just one product. Go they ahead. had multiple products. So I think the understanding also came from them that they were you know, they were kind of uh, open enough to accept a young company that was doing great stuff in one product, but they said, all right, you guys can do this as well. And then we started learning. We started understanding business and how we can just replicate the model. So today we have a great stretch of product, not just automobile finance. We've got personal loan, buy now, pay laters, which is the buzzword. We've got Uh, MSME, MSME, uh, it's a great product that we do today. Microfinance, gold loans. We've uh, also got personal loans, different kinds of uh, term loans, uh, stretching out to loan against properties, uh, and then uh, domain-based credit. So if somebody wants to do something unique, uh, yeah, they're more than happy to collaborate with us and we kind of create the product by simple configurations, add in the domain layer, the understanding that they have, again, physical to digital, collect data, put it out in, you know, data visualization formats for them to recreate and uh, improvise their models as they go.
0: What is the impact on the businesses if it's pure B2B enterprise, right? What has been the impact on the businesses that you've encouraged and convinced to use your product on their own growth, right? What have they seen as the impact of having a SaaS finance model embedded into their lending products?
1: Well, I think in one word, it's scale uh, because we've seen customers move from a 3,000 odd number loan book to about a 60,000 loan books in about five years. Okay. And, and that's purely... Uh, with the same kind of metrics they had on uh, collections. So if the collections were highly efficient at about 96, 97%, even at the scale of 60,000 odd loans, the collection percentages were the same. So again, it's replication of what you do good, but then do it fast and do it at scale.
0: So the flip side of that question has to be, what is the implication for this new lending? If you go from what did you say three thousand to sixty thousand, it's twenty times more. Which means that you're now lending money to either new borrowers or the same borrowers, but just much more and much faster. What what is the impact on the lives of these people that maybe did or did not have access to credit before?
1: Immense. Um, so there is a huge credit gap uh, in the you know tri- two, tri- three cities. I'm talking about two thousand seven. 17, 18 when it was much more you know huge but with this product you were able to reach out to those areas there those uh cities where the banks were unable to you know even penetrate and then again uh, the kind of lenders we worked early on were um, were lending to people who were not uh in the credit fold all right their credit assessment was essentially meeting up the borrower understanding uh, in the conversation whether he has the intent and the capability to pay back
0: right so do you guys lean on upi as a way to distribute these financial products
1: yes we've we've incorporated upi as uh, one of the channels for collection for our lenders and uh, we've seen that uh, even in digital collections more than 85% of our collections uh, from the digital channel are coming from upi upi is a fantastic thing it's it's I think, path-breaking in in certain terms.
0: For sure. For sure. I think it was a couple of days ago or maybe a week ago, right? Lee Sian Loong, who's the Prime Minister of Singapore, announced that PayNow, which is kind of Singapore's version, I believe, of UPI, is linking up with UPI. And I'm curious what you think the implications of that are going to be as well.
1: I think it's going to be easier for if it replicates to multiple geographies uh, then for people to also service their... um, you know, uh, bills in India. So if I'm, well, if I'm in Singapore and my family's back here, if I want to make payments on behalf of them, I can do it without any hassle. I can transfer money very easily. I've also heard uh, this is just the start of uh, collaboration between uh, two countries. There are going to be many, many countries that are going to be uh, replicating this model. It's going to be easier for students who are going to be traveling from one country to another just to transfer money via UPI and a you know and, and the collaboration at the other end.
0: Yeah, and here's why I'm thinking about this. So I was, in, I was in Singapore in June of last year and then also in September of last year. You know, I live in Bangkok, right? And here, I almost never use cash anymore. Once I figured out that I could QR code or transfer or, or use prompt pay, which is essentially UPI in, in Thailand, for almost anything, I never leave the house. Like, I don't even have a credit card that I use. I literally just have my phone with me everywhere. And when I went to Singapore... I couldn't pay for stuff with my phone. It was so frustrating. It's nobody's fault, right? That's not the point. But it was so frustrating. But now that means that every, does this mean now that every person in India who has access to UPI can now do the same thing if they travel to Singapore? And then I'm sure it's going to happen in Thailand as well with PromPay, yeah?
1: I think that's what's going to be. So now I'm in India. I'm used to doing it via my mobile. So if I travel to Singapore, I'll be able to do that. So, it's going to be a little less disruption when I'm traveling to a different country.
0: But what does that mean for you now as All Cloud, the, in your ability to now take the stuff that you've built and move it to second and third tier cities in places like Thailand? Indonesia is going to come online at some point in Vietnam and the rest of the region. Like, How's that going to work?
1: I think our learning curve with uh, digital payments is going to be far, far more advanced because you're working in India. India is one of the I would say one of the most toughest uh, it is uh, so country so or a market to work. Very competitive, very advanced. So um, if we are able to do it here, I think uh, the learnings that we take from our work in India will be help us be ahead of the curve in terms of uh, delivering these solutions to uh, countries like Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, anywhere where there is going to be a rise in digital payments and collections in the lending space.
0: Yeah. I always want to understand, like if you build this core business, this core platform business around finance, leveraging UPI and then, you know, other payment systems globally, what other products then will you be able to offer on top of that or next to the credit products that you're already offering since you're part of businesses, financial lives, right?
1: I think our purpose at Allcloud is to further the um, goals of our lenders. So what we are focusing on is on the asset side of the balance sheet so when if it's a large loan then i think uh, a small loan or a you know or the micro loan would be an additional product that we can help our uh, customers offer uh, using upi because that's going to be very quick and easy uh, disbursements are going to be within minutes and um, that's what uh, you know we'll be able to offer in fact uh, we can also break down the repayments into more simpler forms uh it need not be monthly it could be weekly it could be daily if they just want to pay because upi doesn't come with a charge right you can make as many payments as you want
0: right yeah i mean every time i pay for something Thailand, there's no charge none it's amazing to me yeah. i'm just like here's my money boom it's even less it's less expensive for me to do that than to actually go to the atm and take money out of a bank a bank's atm machine that's not my bank right yeah. So I just wonder yeah. what's going to happen to all this stuff.
1: I think people are going to get used to it, uh, and it's it's going to be part of our life as cash was. So you you know five years down the line, you couldn't imagine uh, moving out without a wallet and some cash in it. And I think the phone is going to be the same.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, you just can't leave the phone.
0: If you have all this information flowing through your system, and if you've taken companies from 3,000 to 60,000 in their credit book, you and they must be gathering a ton of data, right? So, what are the challenges on building a data and data analysis infrastructure for you and the team? That's the first thing. But the second thing is, what are the benefits to having all this data? And then, how do you spin it around and say, We have even more data for you so you can actually make even better credit decisions as lenders
1: yeah so uh, once you get this uh, data all organized into digital formats then it's very easy to understand the trend and that's what we're doing now so i think the first part is to get uh, digital and then digitalization of your process so that's what has already happened now there's a time for digital transformation which means that you have the data you have the analysis now you can identify trends and uh, make more informed decisions. In fact, the product can help you make more informed decisions by assisting your team in terms of analyzing the borrower. So that's what we're doing now. We are analyzing collection data, patterns and uh, working with our customers, specifically with their, their data set, because what we believe is that lending is a business of persuasion. And if you're able to collect better from a set of borrowers, and probably your competitor is not, then you're doing something very, very unique. Right. And then that's something that you should build on. So we use, we work with them, uh, we help them them understand data, put it into machine models. And now we're giving them success scores uh, on such data.
0: Do you see epiphany moments in these companies that haven't been digital before, where you give them access to all this data and they start making credit decisions based on that data that you give them? And you can see it in their eyes and they say, oh, wait a second, now we can do this and we didn't think we could before, but now we can. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that that that's kind of a eureka moment for them as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. It should be, right? No?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Because, uh, I mean, it's always there. Uh, they know it, but it's not in front of them. What does that mean? It's always there. I mean, they know. They know the kind of borrowers they're working with. They know... By looking at it, you know at a correct profile. That okay, this is going to be good for us. But then, if you reinforce them, uh, reinforce this again, uh, you know, in a model, in a, you know, in a representation, then they're like, okay, we knew it, but now this validates what we've always been doing, Thinking. right?
0: Yeah. Do you yeah. do you see a generational difference in the understanding of how to use this digital technology, right? So in in a similar way to the way. You know, you told the previous generation of your family business, "Hey, we need to digitalize." Do you see the same thing in the businesses in, in with which you're interacting as well?
1: Yes, there is a there is a great acceptance of technology, and uh, people have come to realize that um, people who are doing well in this or any business, uh, they have used and leveraged technology to their advantage. Um, in fact, um, when you said generational change, uh, there's more happens when you know there is a change of guard so the old guard retires and when the new guard comes i mean the new guys come in they're like hey now we're not going to be working like this because they've not been used to so if i'm i've been used to using an iphone uh, you know all my life right and you want me to use an ms dos based application that <laughs> takes like ages to generate any data, i certainly would not have the patience to wait and then that's where it kicks in. They said, no, now we need transformation. We need to change or we need to upgrade our technology. So yeah, we're there. Uh, if somebody wants to you know, use an iPhone in terms of lending technology, we're already there.
0: Did, did you ever use an MS-DOS application? I cannot believe you did.
1: I, no, I haven't used an MS-DOS-based uh, application for work, but I kind of used a little I think Visual Fox or something like that when I was really? working. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. And it was it used to work fine. But sure. then always I used to say, no, this is not for me. This is not gonna help me move. But I've, I've seen customers build great loan books on an MS DOS application. And I was like, Hi right, guys, how do you manage? This is not the this is ancient, <laughs> ancient. prehistoric. <laughs>
0: it is. Look, I mean, I'll tell you, my first applications were all MS-DOS based, right? And even some of the first spreadsheet applications like Lotus one and VisiCalc were all DOS based. So it's just interesting to me that you would actually even know that or bring that up.
1: Technology was there in some form or shape, yeah. And um, but then uh, people don't change the uh, business tech so often. And they kind of stick onto it because uh, there's a lot of change management required. Nobody likes to change or move from one comfort zone uh, to a zone that they will take time to get comfortable to. So I think that's why people stick onto legacy applications. I think it's even not just with small players, it's also with large players because the magnitude of problem is, is huge there because a lot of people who've been used to this comfort zone, but to move away from that takes a top-down approach where the leadership uh, needs to be kind of very certain that they have to do this.
0: What are your biggest enablers to growth as a company? People. People. Interesting.
1: So we always uh, no. So when we started out, we were three plus five people, and then when we reached twenty, we're like, wow, wow. We're doing something good. (laughs) And then the aspiration was always that, okay, uh, we need to be a uh, 50-member company. Okay, now we became 50, then we became 100. Uh, Now we're 125. But then I think the greatest drivers of growth have been the kind of people that uh, we've been lucky to have onboarded as team members, as uh, our people in all cloud. And uh, their understanding... Of our business because I think more than thirty five percent of our people even today in All Cloud are more than four years with us. So people understand, believe in what we're doing, and that also replicates in the kind of uh, work we do. Our people understand domain very well. They have taken up this attitude to be more consultative in approach. So we don't do anything just because we have to do it uh, across All Cloud. It's it's that we kind of think over it. we, we debate ideas uh, whether it is good for the product, good for the customer, good for all cloud or not and then if there's a if there's a go ahead from multiple stakeholders, only then things go into the product or as part of our project.
0: As you grow from three people to five people to 25 to 50 to 100 to 150, how do you ensure that the company culture that was there when there were so few people, is maintained when you're now growing really rapidly.
1: For us, it's happened organically. I think uh, the initial uh, people that we onboarded kind of uh, kind of glued in uh, glued in the culture that we had. Um, then they kind of uh, trickled it down to the new people that we have uh, onboarded, and then but then at a certain point, we felt that okay, this is not going to be scalable if we do not have. A uh, you know proper HR yeah. uh, function in All Cloud, so now we're doing that. We are investing a lot in streamlining operations, um, you know, making things more system driven, uh, but still retaining uh, retaining the core values of what uh, All Cloud has always believed in—that people are in, people are the most important asset for us.
0: The last thing I'll ask you before I let you go is. When you go home now and sit around the family dinner table, <laughs> proverbially, what are they? How are the conversations different, and what are they like now?
1: So now, I think the uh, the conversations are about what we're doing next. Uh, what's uh, what's exciting for me? They ask, okay, what's happened? Uh, what's happening in different geographies? Because now, what we're working on in, in All Cloud is from going local to global. Right. So there's a lot of excitement about uh, you know me uh, about All Cloud. Uh, being able to scale from uh, in Hyderabad to India and India to Southeast Asia and Africa. So um, those are the conversations that are more interesting for everybody because, uh, well, I've never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever be able to have a business that's going to be in different geographies.
0: Right. Do you see yourself moving to another country or another continent? I mean, you mentioned Africa. I was going to let you go, but this is so interesting to me, right? Because Africa... In a way, in a way, right? So just work with me on this for a second. In a way, is similar to India, right? The whole continent there has one point something billion people similar in size to, in population size to India, but also similar in the sense that if I go from one African country to another African country in the same way that I go from one Indian city or state to another one, it's almost like a completely different culture, language, and food. How big do you think that opportunity is for a company like yours that's had to cut its chops in India? and then move that model to Africa?
1: You said it rightly. Africa is one, but very diverse. Yeah. Right? And they are, and in certain terms, they are quite advanced in terms of money movement. I think yeah. M-Pesa has been a fantastic, yep, fantastic model. And how our technology or our business can replicate that, definitely, as I, as I said earlier on, the language of money is same, the business of money is same. Africa has so many people that are underserved, they will move to banking in near future and with a technology like ours uh, lending can be made more efficient uh, the learnings that we have from the indian market which is uh, you know physical and then digital that's what it's happening there now so yeah we are very excited about the opportunity opportunities in africa
0: okay i'm going to let you go that was really great rahul jain a co-founder of allcloud thank you for doing this i really appreciate your time and i love the dedication to sound and quality that was awesome thank you again
1: thank you and it was a great pleasure speaking to you michael it's it's been great thank you